Mic check, one, two, one, two. Battle, can you hear me? Yes. Nice, you sound good. This is Andrew Podcast. Um, one of the main reasons why I started the podcast is to definitely highlight my fellow social workers, um, everybody out there, uh, all my mental health practitioners in the front line. And this next guest has been a special friend of mine, a good friend since the college days, since Cal State Fullerton. Um, got my bachelor's with around that same time and she went on to continue to get her a social a master's in social work also a licensed clinical social worker in cali um has lots of experience in the foster care system and now transitioning into um health and her latest endeavor is she's a she's hosting her new podcast called winging it and winning um ladies and gentlemen i got the amazing miss veronica diaz how you doing Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for taking time, dude. I appreciate you. Um, I always take it back to day one just to uh, figure out my guests uh, turning corn, like turning points in their lives. You know, um, someone was born and uh, raised that. So, for the listeners tuning in, where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised in Riverside. So mm-hmm. I'm from the Inland Empire. And mm-hmm. uh, raised in Riverside and Reno Valley my entire life. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And you got siblings, right? I do. I have uh, two older brothers, an older sister, a younger sister, and a younger brother. Nice. Everybody's still in Cali. They still yep. in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see none of us leaving. I think we're all pretty uh, rooted here. Mm-hmm. So, as far as your household, Hispanic, close-knit family, um, how was how was that like growing up? Were you raised by both parents? Um, was it a, did they have a good marriage? Was it a close family? Yeah, growing up, so it was kind of complicated, right? Like it was growing I, um, so in second grade, my parents divorced. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I, when we were, when I was in second grade, we moved to my grandma's house in Reno Valley. Me, my mom, and my siblings, two of my two older brothers. And then um, my mom, she fell into addiction and I moved middle school, like right, I think it was seventh grade. It's when I moved to Riverside with my dad full time. Mm-hmm. And so my dad raised me from middle school onward. And he's the one that like, you know, pushed me and, and uh, really just made me go to college and he was like really the hard one out of my parents my dad was like the more stern one. and along with my brothers too like my brother for me um they they kind of had a big I guess a, a big impression on on helping raise me because they're the yeah. older brothers yeah mm-hmm. so, so would you say like go ahead go ahead oh no no go ahead so would you say like maybe elementary years was there like a lot of instability or more stability during those early no. years childhood years yeah i think there's a lot of instability so mm-hmm. when we moved to my grandma's um i always describe my grandma's house as the house for divorced families um and no <laughs> i didn't, i mean that in no disrespect but literally we lived in a, a four-bedroom house and mm-hmm. um in each room like my grandma the queen of the house and then in each room was my mom and her kids which was me and my two brothers 
And then another room was my aunt and her two boys. And then the other room was my aunt. And so it was like all my aunts lived there with their kids. And so we grew up like literally at like my elementary school years, I had, I lived in the house with like maybe 17, 18 people, mm-hmm. you know, like just, we just, I mean, it was hard because at the same time we had people in that home dealing with drugs. Mm-hmm. And there's many times when me and my little cousin would sleep on the floor because a drive-by would happen or um, we had to like get up in the middle of the night and run next door because people were threatening to come in our house and shoot up. So it was very unstable in my elementary school years. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I think that when my mom fell into addiction, she wasn't able Mm -hmm. to protect us. Like she, like, you know, like she would if she wasn't in addiction. But luckily my dad, when, when my mom fell into addiction, my dad stepped up. And he realized like the environment in which we were living was not good. So he then bought his own house and, and moved me and my brothers in with him. In seventh grade, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really when my life changed because growing up, um, my aunts and my brother, of course, like in the elementary school years, they, they did look out for me, but my mom was still um, my, my main caretaker. So she, like, if I didn't want to go to school in elementary, like, she'd be like, all right, don't go to school. Just, you know, act like you're sick. <laughs> like, she would literally be like, all right, you're going to finish yeah. laundry today, then you're going to stay home. And I'm like, okay, whatever mm-hmm. I'm having to do, I just didn't want to go to school, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if it wasn't for, I think, my dad taking me, at the time he did like who knows how my life would be you know so i'm truly thankful for that and also I'm, i am still thankful for the <clears throat> the hard times too at my when i was in elementary school years and living with my mom and my aunts because i think that that's what like really made me see what life i didn't want to follow mm. so yeah so as far as like junior high years, high school years, would you say it's more, those are like more stable years, more stability during those years, mm-hmm. adolescence, uh, high school? Yes, definitely. More stable, more stern. You know, I had my dad checking up on me, my grades. I mean, it was complete opposite. I would tell my dad, feel good. And he would literally tell me like, you don't have a fever, you're going to go to school. You're fine. And I think he's the one that gave me like my thick skin, you know, like mm-hmm. suck it up and do what you have to do to get it done. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of that from my dad. I remember uh, my first job, I was like, dad, this mm-hmm. like I worked at a, well, not my first, it was one of my first, I was working at a, a photography store, taking pictures, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like photo makers. Remember photo makers mm-hmm. with the like yeah, yeah. girl and like, you know, those background right yeah 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 and so i worked at a place like that in high school and uh this lady she was making me paint the walls like literally i was getting on a a big old like ladder and painting the walls because she wanted her her studio painted and so when i got off of work i called my dad and i'm like dad she's making me paint the walls like that's not in my job description i'm not a painter i'm not a construction worker like what the heck and he was like, you know, you're on her time. She's paying you. You do what she wants you to do. And I was right. like, like literally my jaw dropped. Like, how dare you, dad? Like, come on, you're supposed to have my back. But it was mm-hmm. in that moment, he made me realize, like, be happy that you could work and that you're working. And this lady mm-hmm. is like paying you. So stop complaining. You're going to be fine and do the job. 
it's okay and like I don't know I don't think he meant to have like that big of an impact on me but when he told me that it like sunk in and never did I ever complain about a job again so that's just like the kind of that's what I learned living with my dad like the stability the you know like you work hard and you don't complain so like the middle school and high school years and college years like my dad is the one that instilled that in me like you go to school even if you don't feel good like you figure it out you go to work and do the job that you don't want to do just because you want to get paid like you figure it out so I, I attribute like my work ethic to my dad nice mad props pops um would you say high school years and even junior high years were you like a shy kid were you involved were you outgoing back in those days um in middle school i i like when i once i moved to riverside i was more um outgoing high school i was more like i, I think i bloomed when I, in middle school when i moved from reno valley because in Reno mm-hmm. Valley, I was shy. I was going through a lot of family stuff. So I think I was an easy target for bullying just because I was like mm-hmm. timid and awkward. And literally like when I was young, Marlon, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I was like the dirty kid, you know? Like like it's sad to say, but it's part of who I was, I remember- you know? Like, mm-hmm. ugh, like mm-hmm. she has lice and ugh. Like, so it was easy mm-hmm. for people to pick on me. But mm-hmm. in high school or in middle school, when I was old enough to like really like start you know taking responsibility for myself um i think that's when i i bloomed and i like wasn't awkward and i wasn't like bullied anymore and things like changed completely so um definitely uh did you play did you play sports or get involved in any no i didn't oh yeah i did actually in high school i was in color (coughs) i was in color guard nice and it was so funny I sucked. I sucked uh-huh. at color guard. I don't even know how I got in, but it was fun. <laughs> and and I like I think being in color guard made me like made me enjoy school more because I was involved in an activity. And I think that the curricular activities is so important. And so um, I was yeah I was in that. I was in um, avid was the only school club I was really in besides color guard. Nice. I was an avid too. Nice. Yeah, I love avid. I think one of the first times I spoke to you and we met and we started getting to know each other, those were one of the first things you shared to me. Like, you know, like, yo, Marlon, when I was young, things were kind of rough. It was crazy. And that was always like, I never forgot about that. I always knew you was a real one, you know, because you've been through some shit. Um, So, yo, Vero, so... You graduate high school. What's your game plan? What's going on through your head? Like, what's your, what's your plans? Are you, what's dad pushing you to go to college? What's your game plan when you graduate? No, so when I was an avid, like, you know, avid starts like what? In eighth grade, ninth grade. Yeah. And so I knew yeah. that my goal was to go to college. Like, I already knew nice. that's what I want to do. I want to go to college. And, and at a very young age, Marlon, I already knew I wanted to help people. So mm. I went into college with a psychology major. And then I learned real fast that that's not the major I belonged in because I couldn't even like, I could, I didn't enjoy the classes, you know? And so I talked to my advisor. I don't know about psychology. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I told her, like, I want to be on the front lines. I want to talk to patients. I want to help people. I want to be like a counselor. Um, I want to work with, 
with people who are hurting. Like, I don't want to study them. Mm. Like, I want to work with them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, mm. take a class in social work and take a class in life, marriage, and life, and wait, what, what is it called? Marriage and family therapy. Take a class. And like, she just gave me all these classes to take. She goes, after you've done all these <clears> classes, <throat> you'll figure out more what you want to do. And it was that semester when I realized excuse me the next semester actually i realized that i wanted to be a social worker i had more opportunity so that- it was you know it there, there's more opportunity for growth it was more broad it wasn't just stuck to therapy it was so broad you can do anything with this a lot of had a lot of options and so that's when i was yeah. like i want to be a social worker and nice and and i just ran with it like i knew when i was young what i wanted to do but then in college is when i was able to put a name to it so Veronica, what year did you enter Cal State Fullerton? Because I met you around 05. Yeah, so I graduated in what, 07. What year? So what what year did you enter Cal State Fullerton? Oh, I entered in 03. No, 02. Because I graduated 02. in 02. Wow. And then I yeah, I graduated in 02 and then entered like right away. Nice, nice. So you came in as a psych major took some classes realized it wasn't for you and then your counselor was like yo take these classes and from there you'll get a clearer Mm -hmm. vision of what you want so okay so i meet you 2005 i I think it's fall semester i think um and and character and conflict led by dr stuart bloom and that's when me veronica met and i remember we studied a lot at the starbucks a lot a lot a lot you know and for long hours too and we would order pizza because mm-hmm. we were there for so mm-hmm. long right and from there i graduate cal state fullerton and me and veronica lost touch for a bit so from there you went you went straight to the master's program after cal state fullerton after your being right. right like right away like i didn't take a break just right away entered into that program good job yeah. i'm so fucking proud of you <laughs> thank you um how was that program like for you what was your you know what like? marlon like everything else it was nerve-wracking like i second guessed myself i wasn't even gonna apply because i was like okay i'm not smart enough for this like this is gonna be hard i already finished like do i really want to start again you know but my my major was human services and i was like hey, that's a broad major i don't see my like i don't think that i can do what i want to do with just that degree so i have to like this is the only next option is to try it and i was actually like reading the starbucks cup and I, I still have the quote with me but i don't have it right now but i have the quote and that it basically just said like we're and we're the we're the biggest thing holding us back from our dreams and so, like, you know, if you don't try, you're never going to succeed. Amen. So I was like, you know what? Amen. This is speaking to me. I believe in signs, and I believe the earth and the universe and God sending us signs. And we need to, like, listen to those, you know? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply. So the very next day, I applied, submitted my application, made things happen. And then next thing you know, I have an interview and so on and so forth. And I got into the program. The program was like, Hell yeah. I was like the first of the MSW program at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I was like, that's pretty dope. And that's that's really started, dope. Hell yeah. yeah. Huh? Congrats. Congratulations, man. That's fucking awesome. Thank you. So yeah, so um yeah, I didn't take a break. I if I take a break, forget it. Like I'm not I'm gonna lose interest. So I have to like go, <laughs> go, go. Uh-huh. 
so you went full time for two years straight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it, time flies so fast. That's what people don't understand too. Is like time goes by so fast. You think like two years—that's a long time, but I mean, it just flew by so fast. You know? For yeah, it goes by fast. Did what you gotta do, and I'm like, dang, like I was 28 when I graduated. You know? Good job. Yeah. <laughs> so from, <laughs> so from there you graduate, and did you know that you want to work in the foster care system, or or? Did you know what you want to do after? So when I was done graduating, I knew I wanted to work with youth. I knew that right. I wanted to work with youth. And so um, I just applied and, and I fell into the, the foster care system. And I loved my, fr- I, I worked there for five years. That's where I got my clinical hours. And I mean, those kids are some of the most resilient kids you'll ever meet, you know? And um it was hard like it was hard hearing the stories day in and day out but at the end of the day it was fulfilling because I knew that I was you know a safe place for them or I was a someone they can talk to and even if it was just for an hour or for 30 minutes or for if I'm giving them a ride to court like those like those opportunities that I have to talk to them like meant a lot mm-hmm. you know because who knows when they're gonna get that opportunity again to talk to someone you know Mm-hmm. that they trusted or that really had their best interest at heart so those years were hard but I mean I loved that job mm-hmm. can I ask you something like how do you prepare yourself emotionally every day to step in the work in a, in a workplace like that um, how do you handle it how do you become how do you stay strong for them how do you do it you know a big thing was the culture at my job so we had a very good like good healthy work environment a supportive work environment supportive supervisors Mm -hmm. you know you weren't in it alone like you weren't in the battlefield alone you had your you know you had your uh tribe there to help you on those hard days or you know so i think that i attribute my ability to be able to do that day in and day out, day in and day out, are my colleagues and my friends from work that understand uh, our our job, you know, and what we encounter, and being able to talk talk it out with them. That was like the that really is what helped me through um, through the days that were hard. Yeah. Good job, good job. Yeah, and I mean, now Matt, that I work in healthcare with patients who have illnesses, you know, it's a little different, but I'm glad because I needed that little break, you know, because I mean, oh, someone can only handle so many traumatizing stories or horrible stories day in and day out for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, I know, yeah, right? so I would like bring it home. Like literally my stepdaughter uh, would be complaining about washing dishes and I'd be like, you're lucky you even have a mom to tell you to wash dishes. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. That was from work. Like, I'm yeah. like, sorry. You know, so it's like, I was yeah. like, nah, I need to step away for a little bit because it's getting too much. Not Now, now my coworkers uh, aren't even doing it for me. Like I need to step away and deal with a different population. And it, it really has helped me a lot that's good that's good um so before we even get to healthcare, so let's talk mm-hmm. about the kids like what are one of the if you could name three reasons on how someone ends up in the foster system what are they okay 
so, like top three reasons that you think ends up yeah good. so of course like abuse right so if you're being abused sexually physically um, like mo- mostly physically and sexually because emotional abuse is really hard to detect um and it's hard to be re- yeah. it's hard to report it um so yeah. you're being uh even neglected right you're being neglected medically or abuse sexually or abuse physically those are the main reasons why we see people in the foster care system um and yeah. sometimes family steps up if family is available to help they will but sometimes there's family willing to take in a kid you know so for whatever reason um the kid comes to the county and then the county will resource and foster agencies and that's when they come to us but i would say it's sexual abuse um physical abuse and neglect uh can they ask you uh, go no go ahead so during these years i mean you worked for five you worked there for uh, five mm-hmm. years right so with, during those five years um after a rough day or something rough emotionally rough happened what would you do to like take care of yourself or recharge like like how would you deal with that when you get home or do you take it home or how are you dealing with the daily grind of this shit? Well, like I said, I would just really like call a friend who understood, you know, and right, we would like right. we would debrief. Like, dude, today was hard. Yeah. I would come home and talk to my fiance, Kevin. You know, babe, today was hard. Yeah. Like, this is what happened. Um, I would really like I'll uh, just take like I'll work out whatever I have to do. Like, whether it's work out, whether it's like, hey, let's go to dinner. I need to drink. I just need to relax. You know, I need to. Yeah. Like today it was a hard <laughs> yeah. day. I need a glass of wine. Um, Hell so yeah. like that kind of stuff that helped me and I think though like Kevin knowing that this job of mine was very hard emotionally he really was sensitive yeah. to that so if he saw like I was having a like a hard week he active and like trying to do something to help me you know whether it's like hey I handle dinner don't worry just go to the room and just relax or hey I made reservations for a massage or whatever he was like very proactive so having a partner that was able to like understand my line of work and be very thoughtful um, in helping me get through those hard weeks that helped a lot amen good shit Kevin (laughs) um what what was like the final straw that finally made you be like you know what I'm out it's time to switch to a new population well I think um, what was the final straw was I when I noticed mm-hmm. that I was taking it out on not taking it out per se but I would put my feelings onto my girls like I said like if they were complaining about mm-hmm. little things like I would get really mad and be like you know what you don't even know you have it really like easy compared to you know just like in that way I don't think it's bad reminding them how well they have it or hey you know what you're lucky at least your dad's in your life that kind of stuff but I feel like it was getting to a point where I wasn't being sensitive to their needs because I was like they got it they're fine you know they have an easy life compared to what I see every day um so that was one thing and then also um I had already accomplished my goal of what I wanted to do at that foster care agency which was obtain my clinical hours so that I can take my test and become licensed. And so once I did that, nice. like, I wanted to switch whether it was to, my goal was to try another population or, you know, move, like get more experience in another area. Because I believe that 
So when you're comfortable and you're used to like a, a population day in and day out, you're, you stay stagnant. And I like to improve, right? Like I feel like that's what we're meant to do is move up, move left, move right, but not stay in the same position. So I was like, okay, that was my goal to obtain my hours and get licensed. Once I obtained my hours, I was like, okay, like my job here is done. I've done what I needed to do, what I couldn't do. Now I want to try something else. And at that time, um, my fiance, he actually had his own uh, health. He has a, a specialty pharmacy. And he works with a lot of people who are um, underserved and low socioeconomic uh, status. And so he's like, you know, we're always getting people who need help, who need, uh, we're always looking for resources. But of course, like we're already like our plates are full, so we can't help them. And that's when I jumped ship and I said, well, I can work for you and I can do this and this and this. And they were all about it. Yeah. So that's when I moved jobs. Good job. Yeah. So it's been timing is everything. Is, huh? Yeah, timing is everything. Definitely. So what's the transition been like? I mean, do you miss do you miss the foster system or what's the transition like? Were you did you feel comfortable right away or did it take some time to get used to this to the new Yeah, field? so at, at when I worked with foster kids, I had a structure. This is what you do. This is a report you do here. It's all handed to you, right? Like your job is handed to you. You know what's expected. So when I moved jobs to work for Kevin, it was very nerve wracking because I didn't have like, I didn't know what was expected. You know, I was just like trying to figure it out myself. And so the first like couple months was me just learning everything that they do and trying to see where I can help and fit in and what I can do mm-hmm. and how what, what systems I can put in place to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. serving their population the best way I can. And so once mm-hmm. like, I think like once I got in, day in and day out, I was in the office trying to figure out, okay, these are the forms, this is what I need to do. And learn, like once I was in there and just learning, like everything came easy. It was like, okay, like, na- I mean, not easy, but like, natural. And some words mm. though, Marlon, like different vocabulary, right? Medical care and foster mm. care, completely different vocabulary. And so I was like, mm-hmm. we would be in meetings and they'd be talking about medicine and this and that. And I'm like, what the heck are they saying? Mm. And then now, like when I say it, mm. I'm like, dang, I, it's like, like a foreign language. I talk of, uh, no. like I speak a foreign language. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> it's like pretty cool, you know, because like, dang, like, I remember my first week at, at Brothers Healthcare, and I was so lost and scared, and like, am I even capable of doing this? You know, I don't know what this means and that means, but of course, once you hear it over and over, you're like, oh, okay, that's what it's called. You know, it makes sense. But um, I always reflect on, like, the growth that happens, you know? So... Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges in healthcare at the moment for 2020 in this in this profession? Well, right now there's a lot of are there yeah. So right now there's a lot of changes happening with insurance and uh, a lot of policies that can affect people who have um, pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. So right now there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, advocates who are who are trying to you know fight for for rights for people who have pre-existing conditions. Um, Kevin mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, what is it called advocates they go up to the state capitol and they um, 
you know, they really try to speak to senators about how their new laws are going to affect them. And so the national, actually a good resource would be the National Hemophilia, uh, I think it's called the National Federation of America. They have, um, uh, they have a lot of resources for people who have pre-existing conditions. And so I think that right now, that's like the main thing, healthcare, right? It's like the hot topic. And the good thing is that Kevin and, and uh, Scott, who own Brothers Healthcare, a lot of other people who have pre-existing conditions are really fighting for better protection for them. Yeah, for real, it's right? It's just so unfortunate, you know, that's something they have Fuck, to deal Fuck, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, what do you think needs to be changed in the foster care system? Like, what are the challenges in the foster care system? Do we need more funding? Do we need more? Like, what do we need? What What, what can the government provide the foster system? I'll be speaking out of out of line on that because I haven't been in the foster care system for mm. five years now, going on six. Mm. So it's been a mm. long time, and I'm not too sure, too keen on the laws and the funding for foster care. I know that the mm-hmm. counties, I, I believe a lot of the counties are having cuts right now. A lot of um, social workers mm. are quitting. And, and I think it's because Damn, yeah, I'm not sure us. what is affecting them right now, but we're working for the county and we're like exhausted, you know, like we're overworked. We're not, a lot of people are quitting. Um, we're underfunded. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah you hear a lot right. of stories, right, of like kids who die in under the not in foster care but you know either the in the homes and they say oh the, the social workers didn't respond or they didn't do something right or whatever it may be but i really believe that in general foster i mean social workers in the counties i think they're overworked and not properly like mm. paid you know or they don't have enough damn speak on it speak on it you know facts yeah it's unfortunate um it's unfortunate so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as far as like self-growth and um, self-healing, how much do you have to do to in order to withstand this type of career? Like, you know, to be in social work, to be in healthcare, like how much of our sanity needs to be in place? You know, do we need therapy to do this? What, what do you well, think? Well, I do think. Monica, like, do we need <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think a therapist would hurt anybody, right? Because a lot of people say like, oh, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'm a good therapist. But sometimes we just need someone to bounce mm-hmm. ideas off of and talk and, and be compressed mm-hmm. with and, and know that they're not going to run and tell our friends. They're really going to just listen and give us, you know, feedback. And I think it's very mm-hmm. beneficial for everyone, even if, especially if you're working with people who have... Um, you know, if you're in the, the front line working with people who are who have trauma and you're constantly helping them, right? We need to empty our cup too. So yeah. I don't think that it's a bad thing. Right. I think it's very beneficial to get your own therapist, but it's not, you know, it's it's whatever. I think people need to find their outlet. And if you don't find mm. your outlet and you think you keep on going and going and going without um, recharging, you're gonna you're gonna fall. You're gonna you're gonna you know gonna be done you're gonna you're gonna be at the end of your road same thing with the car right if you don't put gas in it it's gonna run out you're gonna stop so you have to really like know what's your thing that's gonna recharge your battery because that's what's gonna give you longevity 
in this helping profession. So it's really not, um, so it's not one thing or it's really what, what you think, you know, some people, for me, it's a therapist, for me, it's exercise. And for me, it's just being, you know, just, uh, I like to like organize things and deep clean that like, to me, that's kind of weird, but I like it, it really, like it gives me some kind of like satisfaction. And so I think that everyone needs to know what their thing is that will let them refuel, re-energize. Of course, vacations don't help. I, I mean, don't hurt either, you know? <laughs> you right, 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 off. right. You have to take vacations. Hell yeah, you got to chill. Yep. You got to chill. You got to know how to have yeah, some and, fun, Yeah, and I think right? that is, a, for me, to chill is very hard. Like, very hard, Merlin. Like, I, yeah, it is so Thrill. hard for me to just chill. Um, because I always feel like I need to be productive. And so that's why when I say, like, organizing or trying to clean or deep clean, like, even though from it's relaxing to me because I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about things that are stressful to me. I'm just thinking like, oh, let me clean this. Let me get the stain off. Let me organize this messy drawer. That's like my head is able to kind of relax for a little bit from the serious things and just worry about like what's in front of me. That's what I remember in college. You were always on yeah. the go. You were always on the go. You were always busy, yeah. always on the go. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk about the podcast. For all the listeners, let's let's talk about the title and what made you come so, up with the title. So, Winking It and Winning is basically what I've done my whole life. Um, from the day I signed up for college, thinking I'm not smart enough for college, I'm not going to get in, but I'm just going to fill it out and send it in anyways to getting in to then thinking the same thing and in, in for my master's program like oh I don't want to you know I'm not going to be able to get in but I'm just going to do it anyways so I don't regret it and then being able to get in and finish like I feel like mm-hmm. my whole life I've been and throughout the, the way mm-hmm. there's been people to help me uh, achieve my dreams mm-hmm. right achieve my goals Yes. And if I wouldn't have taken the leap of faith, then I would have never met those people who helped me along the way. And so when I say like winking it, like you just go and try it and you figure it out along the way. And even though you're going to fail sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that's still a win because those failures teach us something. They teach what doesn't work, which is just as important as knowing what does work. And so I think when, yeah, that's- and so it also it's like a mindset right so it's like you have to feel like those losses are actually wins because if you feel like defeated by all the losses that you experience along the way then you're gonna like never accomplish anything because you're gonna be like why why even try i failed why even try so you really have to have a positive winning mindset in order to make your life the way you Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that's what i'm living right now like I feel like I've always um, dreamed of a life where I'm drug-free, educated, I have a stable job, I have a fiancé who loves me, I have, you know, I, I have kids in my life who, although not my biological kids, they're my kids and I take care of them, I experience motherhood with them. You know, like everything I've wanted as a kid, like I'm living. And so... Good job, I think that it's. But it's, it's like, people say, like, 
oh you're lucky like you're so lucky and it's like it's not luck like it's really hard work that got me where I'm at you know because if I would have like you, yeah you did so it, I you, just feel uh-huh. like if we all have the capability of achieving our dreams if we just really believe in ourselves and and take a leap of faith mm-hmm. yeah I think a lot of self-care is involved to preserve that too like a lot of um, taking yes. care of ourselves you know it, it, a lot of that it needs to happen too you know um <clears throat> so what what kind of guest are you looking for for your podcast like what what stands so out to you this podcast is about hearing people like me like people who 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 by society's view or who by like statistics say you know you're not supposed to make it in life because of x y and z you know and yet they've made it and by making it like oh they're like have this big old company and they I, I mean making it like they're living an honest living they're they're living a happy life a healthy life they're doing they're mm-hmm. they're they're living their dream whatever that may look like for them mm-hmm. like and I want to be able Amen. to highlight those people like how did what was your secret sauce that made you accomplish your dream or live your dream because we all have different motivations and different secrets like I feel like mm. you know I am who I am because of everything I've been through and all those people along the way who helped me you know like what's you know your secret sauce Marlon might be different than mine and so it's like I want to know what people's motivations or what was their reasoning or how did they how did they make it possible to live their best life I want to know because we it, even though it's such a simple concept Sometimes, like, hearing those stories may help other people say, hey, you know what? I can do it. This guy's just like me. He experienced the same hardships as I did. Maybe, like, if he can do it, I can do it too. And I just want people to know, like, Mm. you're not bound by the trauma and by the hardships that you have. Like, you can let step free from those. You can let yourself free. But you have to do it. Like, you have to be in control of that. Mm. But as long as you continue to, like... Mm you know be a victim to your your childhood or whatever your fear whatever it is holding you back you're never going to achieve your dream and so the my mm-hmm. yeah so my guests are going to mm-hmm. be those people who who are living their dreams and like i want i want to hear their stories like how they did it and i i have a feeling like more likely than not most of our, our my guests are going to say you know what i got I followed my gut and it was hard. I had to work hard, but I did it and this is how I did it. And and I think that just hearing, um, consistently hearing like of these stories will motivate a lot of people. Cause I, I just want people to be motivated. I want people to like feel like they have a chance. You know, they can do whatever they want, no matter what their upbringing was. And so I think, yeah. You gotta, f- go ahead. You gotta find what you love. You gotta find what makes you happy. Um, I think that's key. Um, for me, starting out, I was just a young hip hop head who loves hip hop. Um, started rapping, and then next thing you know, it's like mm-hmm. I tried acting, and then next thing you know, I tried, I tried mm-hmm. starting a podcast. So um, I feel like hip hop opened doors that that I didn't expect that would open, but it did, you know? And, um, um, but everything's rooted in hip hop, just loving music and, you know, but so, okay. So for your podcast, right? 
um, what are the things that you want to get out of the out of the guests as far as like their techniques? Like, do you want to know about their discipline? Like, yeah. how do you stay disciplined, yeah. right? Or their work ethic or how do you balance 24 hours in one day you know like i, I do and i'm but i'm right? more you know, like, i'm more interested in like the story like okay tell me your upbringing right like mm. tell me like what hardships you encounter because that's where people are going to connect like if i see someone who's like doing what i always wanted to do and they're telling me like yeah i grew up and this is what happened to me or this is what i've experienced and i'm like dang that's just like my story or i've experienced that too like i'm not alone and look at like i want to know like the story right because i feel like that is what's gonna that's mm -hmm. what's gonna connect my audience to the to the to the possibility that they can foresee or they can live out their dream you know because I, and then also you said like the structure the hard work because no matter how passionate you are about something it takes hard work to to see it to fruition right to like live it out so of course i want to know like okay this is your upbringing then this is what you do and then this is how you stay organized or whatever it may be So it's a little bit of both, but it's kind of like, you know, similar to yours in that, like, I want to know what, what your upbringing was like. Like, what happened, like, what happened that made you choose this or what is it that motivated you to do that, you know? <laughs> And can I just say, like, I yeah, am super proud sure. of you because you've been, like, you know, uh, doing your thing since college years you. and you don't give up. Like, you are so resilient and persistent uh, and you just keep on going. And I know that you also work with, you know, kids who have um autism like you're you have such a good heart and i think that's why i think that uh thank you attracted me to you like energy wise like you're just full of life and mm -hmm. we were stressed together in college uh, you know <laughs> like we were stressed <laughs> together and this, it, was, it was chill like i felt no pressure to be like oh god i gotta go hang out with marlin like it was just so easy You know, like it was like it looked, we look forward, forward to our study sessions. We studied a lot, like together, uh, yo, a lot, man. And that's what I remember about college too, like a lot of studying. Yeah, those and last it was fun. Years, you know? It was fun. We learned a lot, and um, I think that you know, during like of course finals, like it's miserable. But we like made it fun, and I—I I mean, college—it was just so much fun, and <laughs> so many people. But I'm just so proud yeah, that you're. Remember when I—I I don't know if I found you or you found me or how uh, I found you on Facebook, but I was so happy, like, oh my god, <laughs> like you know, it was—it was just like it was good to reconnect because you're like a piece of history, you know, a piece of my history. So I was like. It was so good to like connect um, again and make sure like, hey, he's still doing good. He's still rapping. He's like, he has an album. But he's on TV. Like he's on his <laughs> film, like an indie film. What the heck? Like I have yet to see it. I promise <laughs> I'm gonna get to it. But I was like, <laughs> that's, that's so dope. You know? Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. And thanks for always like encouraging me from afar too. That that means a lot because I I, I always feel like you know good friends true friends pick up where they left off and you know it's just always good to have friends who encourage and thank you so much you know and i'm really excited for your podcast that's gonna be sick um so veronica like 
do you have any advice for those who are coming up in social work or those who want to get into the master's program like do you have any advice for like in the incoming students um any tips yeah, that they should like that look out for if i can give any like or, say, okay so it would be different right like so like incoming students would be like really know what your niche is like what do you want to do because then that's going to determine mm. what what uh focus your what your focus is in college like in your master's program so kind of like you know think about what it is you want to do and then focus on that in, in your master's program because i think there's like two different tracks mental health which is like all of the you know mental health disorders that goes deep into that and then i think there's another track i forgot the name because i went i went to the mental health department like track because that's what i wanted to do and so um i think knowing like you know kind of understanding what what you want what population you want to work with that's important and if you don't know then that's okay too you'll figure it out along the way um but don't be so hard on yourself. I think that's another thing too. We need to stop like being so hard on ourselves. You know, like you're in school, like you you've yeah. gotten this far, like you can do it. Like you'll be okay. Don't give up. Keep on going. And then like uh, one thing that when I graduated and got my first job, I think one of the things that I would advise people to do is like learn as much as you can. Be open to all of the possibilities like work harder than your coworker. You know, I know that's like weird to say but like I think that when you're new like you want you need to learn everything and be open. Help be open to like do whatever you can to get more experience. And so I think that that would be like sure. you know my advice for people who are just out getting a job. You know, it's just be open to experience because that's going to help you when you're you know when for promotions and for like if you want to go to another job that's just going to help your resume so like learning as much as you can and not feeling like you can't ask for experience in a certain department you know like be assertive tell tell your supervisors what it is you want to learn what you want to do and you know like learn as much as you can in your new job mm-hmm. good stuff So yo, Vero, like I was watching your YouTube uh YouTube channel and there's a there's a yes. thing called Pathway to Healing. For all those listening, can you talk about yes, that? What's what's you. that YouTube series thank about? Thank you for bringing that up. Pathway, so to, Pathway healing. to Healing is something that I started with my um dot with my stepdaughter's mom. Um so I lost my brother, my baby brother just 6 months ago. And um grieving has been a roller coaster like even though I'm a social worker I feel like oh I can handle it this is you know this is normal I know what I'm supposed to be feeling but I still have my very very hard days and my uh my stepdaughter's mother she lost her ago and she is like you know Veronica I used to go to groups but they don't have them anymore because of covid she's like why don't we start our own like facebook group And so that's what we did. So we came up with Pathway to Healing because you know, we're always in the grieving process. But um this is really meant to be a support page and a support group, a virtual support group for people who are going through loss of a sibling or of a son or of a relative. And so I'm going to be loading videos on um grieving exercises. You know, I just did one the other day where Um, I wrote a letter to my brother 
and I showed people on the video like this is how you write a letter to a loved one who's passed away and I read my letter and then I showed them how to you know what to do with it after and um I'm gonna be posting it next week but it's just videos like that like showing them practical things we can do to help us through the, the hard days you know and um it's just a, it's just meant to be a tool for me too to help me grieve and to help me through this process and hoping that other people can come along on our journey and grieve and you know hopefully it'll help someone out yeah no it's okay and i just want to bring awareness too so my brother he passed of an accidental fentanyl overdose and so he he uh got a pill off the street that um he thought was you know uh maybe uh he probably thought it was a what is it called a oxy and it was laced with fentanyl and these pills are called m30 and so this uh, this pill in particular had enough fentanyl that like shut him down within 10 minutes of consuming the pill and so um you know, kids and, and adults, we have to like they have to be careful what they're buying from the streets because you just never know. And so, um, yeah, we just want to bring awareness to like everyone. Like this is real. This is happening. This is a big problem right now. Is opioid addiction and people dying left and right from accidental uh. overdoses. So. I'm sure if you talk to somebody, you know someone who who has a, a relative addicted to pain pills. Um, you know, we we've all I have several people who I know who has a relative or a friend who addicted to some you know some type of pain pill, and so it's a it's a big problem. And unfortunately, it, it really hit home with my brother. So that's really yeah. No, thank my you. My deepest condolences. So Veronica, I know it's been a crazy humbling year, like, you know, 2020, I know it's just been a whirlwind in the, in the country, the nation, all the tension that's going on and the pandemic, everything that's happening with the police brutality. Um, what, just, what are your thoughts about 2020? Like, what are you taking away from this year as a mother, as a social worker, somebody in healthcare? Or what have you learned about about yourself? You know what? As, you know what I'm saying? Like, as, as cheesy as it take? may sound, really, mm-hmm. it's just like be kind, mm-hmm. be kind to people mm-hmm. because you don't know what mm-hmm. that what they're going through silently. You know, it's like it, mm-hmm. recognize people, like look people in the eye, smile, say hi. You know, I would say hug, but we don't want to hug right now. It's a little scary, but you know, just acknowledge people. And I think that acknowledging and being kind can be can make such a difference, you know. And and all of the stuff happening with with police brutality and the Black Lives Matter, you know, it's unfortunate. All of this is going on, and um, the pandemic. Yeah, pandemic, so I the think pandemic really, like, for sure. This, I like all of this negativity is really what's and like what's it's really what has inspired me to go with like what I've always wanted to do which mm. is like spread positive mm. you know um I was talking to a friend and telling him my idea and he's like well tell me what makes your podcast different and I was like it's not what makes me different it's what makes me the same so many people encounter hardships 
but they feel so helpless. So I just want to help people come out of the funk and realize that they have hope and they can accomplish whatever it is that they want to accomplish. And I think that like, this is what we need right now, more than ever. We need positivity. We need encouragement. We need, we need to get out of this funk. And I feel like, yeah, it needs to, we be, need to be heard. Like when you have that gut feeling like this is what you need to do, even though it sounds crazy or you're like, oh, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, you follow through with it and see where it lands you know see what happens mm-hmm. and so I think that through this pandemic and everything that's happening right now what, what I got out of it is like be more kind than ever because a lot of people are not showing love loved. and it's for it's it's up to those people who feel the need to um, to be positive it's our responsibility to, to do it now more than ever because mm-hmm. we need it we need it. This world needs kindness right now. And I, I'm blessed that I have this and this desire. Like, I'm scared as hell to, like, launch this podcast. Mm. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it's what we need. It's like my calling. I feel like it's my my responsibility right now to do something positive with my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the pathway to healing video. It looks good. <laughs> Thank man. you. It looks really good. You <laughs> got it. You got what it takes to be in front of the Thanks. to be in front of like, the camera. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, um, I think you for your feedback, by the way. I love that I can have. You know, I have my podcast friends. I have, you, like, I have people who I can reach out to again. Like, in this whole journey, being able to lean on you, like, this is just an example of people who who want to mm-hmm. see me win. You know. And, and that's what I like. Oh, yeah. That's what I love about my friends and, like, people who I keep close in my circle. Like, I don't feel, I feel like I can go to anyone with my idea and they're going to be like, yeah or no. They're going to tell me the truth, right? And, and, and so, and not even that, yeah. but they want to help in any way. So thank you for always being that. Like, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And giving oh, me no feedback. Doubt. Like, I, I respect you for that because I feel like you're, this is your area. I'm trying to, oh. like, get it. And <laughs> uh, no, nah, nah, I'm barely starting. I'm barely starting myself. I'm like Marlon, I'm you starting. know, tell me this. Like, how do I do this? And I'm barely funny, starting. I was, um, I, it was so funny because I was like, I, I was actually, I was at the store, and I, <laughs> I was at the store, and the guy's like, oh, I was buying something, and he's like, oh, well, what camera do you have? And I told him, and he's like, oh, what, what speakers? And I told him my, my, my mic. Sorry. And he's like, you have a good, you know, good setup. I'm like, yeah, well, let's see if I have a good podcast. All right. Like I can have yeah. the best setup in the world. Get the <laughs> content right. That's number one. So, so funny. But no, I just sure. thank you for always like, you know, being there to, to hear me out and to, to give me advice. I appreciate you. Well, yeah, I'm excited for the podcast. Um, thank you so much. And, you know, I feel like, for all those out there trying to start one, <clears throat> y'all better stop playing and just download <laughs> that fucking app, Anchor, all right? <clears throat> because if you can do it on your phone, you have no excuse to not do it. Like, like you got to do it, guys. And that's what I tell the homies, too, that wants to do one. Um, and just like you, I've been winging it my whole life. But uh, I think... Mm-hmm. I've had my share of losses, yeah, you know, but I've also losses, won, like, you know, like. Did you do something? 
yeah it, it definitely taught me something but if if you love music if you're gonna get into music and you love music i think you're gonna just keep making music because it makes you happy and you love it you know like like that that alone should be the motivation enough to keep going you know like you're gonna fail here and there but you're also gonna win here and there and that's life right it's it's fucking ups and downs for forever yeah. dude like, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't you, know? you don't know what you're capable of until you try it until you leap in and so like I love that exactly you, like you continue to rap you continue to release your albums and you're doing so good and I, I was sitting your album the other day and I'm like oh my god this is Marlon I love it and it's funny because I'm like <laughs> you know text me your lyrics and you're like what <laughs> and I wanted to do it over and over again I'm like she's gonna think I'm a nerd never mind I'll leave uh, you know, it's it's cool. Like it just takes me back to college years when I used to like, you know, go to your shows and yeah, those are the oh, days. Oh, dude, that was fun. Um, so like for all those tuning in, when can we expect? Oh my the first gosh, that is so nerve wracking. Because if I say a date, I'm gonna have to stick to it. So I'm just gonna say November, mm-hmm. the first week of November. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dope, 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 dope. Looking forward to it. And for Pathway to Healing, yes. so where you can, can, we, where can a YouTuber you can subscribe YouTube, to that? And you can also, or you have a Facebook page. So you can also click on the Facebook uh, page, Pathway to Healing. Yes. And we also have an Instagram too, Pathway to Healing. Okay, thank we'll you so that. much. We'll I appreciate it. Sure. And that's for, you know, anyone encountering loss. Uh, it's a hard year, and sometimes you just support so that's what it's all about it's just to support one another amen veronica thank you so much for your time md podcast it's been real yo i'm gonna hit you when i get off all right i'm I'm gonna hang up and hit you back (laughs) 